سیمون تا به دینجا رسید از بازگویی ادامه قصه خاموش ماند سیمون شاهنامه را بست بالهایش را گشود و روی به سوی دور دست ها در البورزکو پرواز کرد من به سیمون قول دادم تا پنج شنبه شبی دیگر منتظر داستان های دیگری از شاهنامه about food and music eating and grooving munching and moving forking and spooning listening to tunes yeah dinner's on soon and to get ready for ready for peanut butter and jams you're listening to peanut butter and jams with host brenda and jordy on citr 101.9 exploring local music and local food Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hi. Hello. Uh, did you hear, our, did you like our new intro? We're very excited about it. Oh, we are very excited about it. Thank you so much, Chris Horrific. That's Chris Horrific from Parts Unknown on Mondays from 1 o'clock till 3. And uh, from the band or pers- person per- who's a musicianal performer. Called Chris Horrific. Chris Horrific. Yeah. He also performs uh, with his wife as the Bible Belts. That's right. Aren't they just Bible Belts? Yes. Bible Belts. And yeah, they are pretty great, and uh, that's a theme song written by him, uh, just for our show, which is great. Um, we are going to, at some point, put that up for people to listen to on their own if they want. So you can listen to it over and over at your leisure? It might just be me and Brenda listening to it over and over at our leisure, but we will put that up on the internet. So what, have, what have we got on the show today, Brenda? Yes, well, uh, we've got a guest coming in. Yes, Her who's name that? is Chris from Berlioska Cakes, and she is a caterer, and we're going to talk to her about her amazing cake designs and the types of power tools that she uses to make amazing cakes. That power tools, that sounds pretty, pretty intense cake making. Sounds like cake boss territory. Oh, yeah. This is like construction cake making. Okay. So if you go to our Facebook page, which is Peanut Butter and Jams Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can uh, click on the link of her Facebook page and look at the photos of all these amazing cakes that she made that we will be referencing. Yes. And uh, what else we got? Well, I'm going to ask Jordy about his culinary experience of last weekend, which is... A rib fest. Yum, ribs. Pretty exciting. Um, I know we're going to be doing some ticket giveaways, so uh, stay tuned. Yes, if you need something to do this weekend, there is a lot going on. And we are only giving away tickets to one thing, but we're giving away two tickets, so you can bring a friend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
or lover. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to bring. You could bring your dad. Yeah, you could do a late Father's Day. <laughs> Any of those things. Uh, we also... Oh, uh, we also have an interview with Jessica. Uh, Jessica Chow. Jessica Chow, Peanut Butter and Jam's correspondent, um, about a new delicacy that she has discovered. I don't want to give it away. We'll tell you. Well, maybe I'll give it away a little bit. Involves grilled cheese, marshmallows. Oh, you totally gave away the entire twist, Jordy. No, wait. There's more. Oh, there's more? Well, there's a little bit more. I'm really, really sitting on the edge of my seat. There's a lot of details of, like, nuance. and Nuance of grilled cheese. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to start. Well, let's let's talk about the tickets that we're going to give away. Yes. Um, we are going to be giving away some tickets to a show uh, that Tyranna Horse will be headlining. It's an EP release. Mm-hmm. It's happening tomorrow, which is Friday night, uh, at the Wise Hall. And there are some other great local bands playing. Also, Aunts and Uncles and Manhug, Kill City Kids, and Bush Tit. Bush tit. Yes, and it's at 8 p.m. at the Wise Hall. Covers $8. That's not too bad. And you get a chance to buy their new EP, correct? It is correct. So so we're going to start our show with a track by Aunts and Uncles, one of the opening bands. And the track we're going to play is called Yet to Relent off their self-titled EP. Are we ready? Uh, yes, we are ready to hear the song.
And uh, that was actually a different aunt and uncle song, wasn't it? Yeah, that was called uh, an errant CD track by your inept host. Uh, no, 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 but what was the actual song called? The actual song was called November. November, yes. Yes, so thank you for your patience. Uh, so we're going to give away tickets to this Tyrant Horse show. Yes. That's which, tomorrow. Which uh, aunts and uncles will be playing at, as well as Manhug, Bush Tit, the Killer City Kids was the other one? Is that correct? Uh, Kill City Kids. Kill City Kids. Yes. So if you want to win tickets to this show, then you need to call the on-air line, which is 604-822-CITR. Or 2487. Yes, or UBC-2487. UBC-CITR. And you can give us a call, and we'll give you some tickets. Yeah, um, so wait until the Tyrannahorse song starts, and then the first caller in will win. Win a pair of tickets. Great. CITR 101.9 FM and Live at Ritual presents Psychic Parama, Phil Manley, Life Coach, and Senor Caves at the Ritual Theatre on Friday, July the 20th. Come out and experience a night with cathartic expression and let yourself go with the psych rock and progressive noise of these great artists. Tickets are $12 online at liveatritual.com.
And that was Tied on a Horse. Which uh, was playing in the background now. And the track was called AA Foreplay. And uh, it's off their newly released EP, but you can't... Um, we don't have it yet at the station, so we played it off the website. But you can play it off their website, too, if you so desire. You can totally do that. Uh, and Tyrana Horse was a finalist in CITR Shindig last year. Yes, they were a great finalist, too. And they are a great band to see, local bands. Great live set, always really fun. And they have costumes involved. Great costumes, different every time. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so call in to win tickets. And uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is Jordy's Rib Fest. Um, yes, so... Jordy, uh, who invited you to this Rib Fest, and when did you hear about it? Um, a friend of mine and uh, my girlfriend Darcy, uh, had, her family has a Rib Fest every, every summer, and they've had six now. And what, what it is, is it's just a group of their friends come together and they all bring to try to make the best ribs and then they get judged and uh the the best ribs uh, win the prize which is a pat on the back but in front of everybody and uh then everyone everyone else gets to then eat the ribs that are around so this was year six or year seven this is the sixth I, I'm, t- my understanding is that this was the sixth one. Okay, so this sounds like it's fairly steeped in tradition then. Yeah, at this point, I think so. Yes, it's been around for quite a while. Okay. And did most people knew, know the drill and the rules? Now, you were new, so people must have had to explain the this rules is, This to is you. actually the second time I've been in it. Okay. But um, the rules, uh, most people I don't think did know the rules. They they. They send out a list of them every year, just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. And are there people that come every year, and is there sort of somebody that always typically wins? Um, the host actually won last time, so she was the person to beat Ivana. Okay. Um, and she didn't win this time. Her ribs were defeated. And uh, who did win? Who was the winner? Um, a friend of hers whose name I forget. And uh, were the ribs good? The ribs were very good. Um, There's a wide variety of ribs, dry rubs and wet rubs, and um, some that had that like fell off the bone. Some that had like cherry bourbon glazes on them. Uh, some of them were done in more of like a like a Chinese style with uh, Asian like kind of more like sweet and soury sauces on them. And uh, what kind of ribs did you bring to the event? Um, we brought uh, it was a, it was a saltier rub with it was like salty and sweet, um, with uh, which with like a bit of spice to it. Had you made them before? We had not made them before, so this was risky. It was a little bit risky, but we didn't have a good recipe to fall back on, so we we had to try something new. And were you happy with how they turned out? I was happy with it, but but. They didn't win. Oh, but still, they were they were pretty tasty. You yeah. weren't you weren't embarrassed. No, I would make them again and just tweak the recipe to try and like get it perfected at this point. Okay, and the winning ribs. Can you tell us a bit about those? Um, they had like an orangey flavor to them, and they were really really soft. And the reason, and they were also like gigantic. They were cut into like four ribs at a time, so you couldn't just have one of them. You had to have like 
four of them. Mm -hmm. But they're really soft. Um, They were good. I actually thought the second place ribs, which was the molasses flavored ribs, was the best one. But the... Okay, and what kind of qualities were the judges looking for, and who was judging? Um, This is actually what I thought was kind of interesting about it, and what might be interesting to you as a listener, um, should you want to throw a uh, food-related competition at your house, maybe a chili-off or a rib-off or what other types of... Not to be confused with the chili-eating contest or the pie-eating contest. A a pie-eating contest. But this is the tasting... A a a pie-tasting contest. judging contest contest or a pizza pie judging contest anyhow any type of food related contest the way they had it set up was that everyone brought up their ribs um there was like a time cutoff where you had to uh bring them in by and there's like certain rules set up for like it has to be set up so that there's at least this many so that they can be judged and then there's still some left over for other people and they also have to be Portioned in such a way that like everyone can taste, can taste at least a full rib and stuff. So who is judging? And the way the judging was chosen, this is, yeah. So everyone brings it in, and then all the guests put their names in a hat, and the judges are just drawn out of the hat. Oh. So the judges were everybody, and then at that point, all the ribs were divided. They were the ribs were just given numbers, so you didn't know whose ribs you were judging. Mm-hmm. Um. And then each judge would judge four, um, four dishes. So everybody got to judge something. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not everybody. Only the people whose names were drawn. Okay, how many people's names were drawn? I would say there were. I think there was eight judges in total. Okay, and how many people attended? About thirty. Ah, this is a big event. Yes, um, there weren't. I don't think there was thirty ribs. Not everyone brought ribs. Some people were in teams. Some people just brought sides, but. Okay. But so, like, everyone would judge. I think there was about 15 or 14 different ribs sets. But everyone, but would, they, those ribs got divided up into heats, and then the judges would judge the best in their heats, and that one would go on to the finals. And then there was a bunch of judges, like three, there was like three judges who would then go and judge the ones that made it to the finals. Hmm. And... And then from those, there was like a first, second, and third, and all of them were rated on aroma, appearance, flavor. I think that's it. What else would you judge food on? What are the Iron Chef categories? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't watch enough food TV. I've been watching zombie TV, actually. That's not very appetizing. No, it's, it's not very appetizing <laughs> at all. I'm sorry I even mentioned it. But uh, do you have any tips for people who want to throw their own competitions? Um, just think, a, uh, what I would say is think a lot about the judging, because the way this ended up working at the beginning, the stuff that the judges who judged the first, the heats, ended up having a lot more influence than the judges who judged the finals, because um, they were set in groups of, they, they were just judging by themselves, and they and so they put stuff through. But their tastes might not they, their taste might be totally different from the final judges' tastes, so that was kind of weird. And, and but when you have more people judging the finals, that feels fair. But how many people were judging the final round? There was three people judging the final round, but the heats only had one judge each. Oh, so at the finals, everything kind of got balanced out a little mm-hmm. bit. But in in the heats, it was very swingy. So. 
So better to have more judges. It's better to have, if you're going to have more judges, but it's better to have them earlier. Yeah, than. as opposed to letting one's personal taste impact which one Or at least having people's personal taste balanced by other people's personal tastes. Mm-hmm. And I like how they gave categories. It gives you some... Some criteria to judge based it's on. It's good to have criteria. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been in different food competitions. I was in a chili off once, and that everyone who was there judged everyone else's, and the the rule was you just couldn't vote for your own. I like that. Very participatory. Mm-hmm. So then everyone gets to be a judge, which is nice. But if you are setting up a food competition, just make sure you think out the rules clearly beforehand about how you're going to judge and what those what the style of judging is going to end up resu- like resulting in. Like mm. who's, what sort of winner is going to get pushed forward because of that. I wonder if there are takeaways to shindig for this conversation oh yeah maybe we can apply this to, to a, a music competition although shindig has a lot of judges it's usually pretty balanced or it at does least. have a lot of judges there are no criteria though so i think it it does leave a lot of space for people's personal taste mm, that's true Hmm. which can be wild. although i know that so, I, when i've judged in the past i haven't always just judged based on my taste i've some i've i usually judge like even though I sometimes I really like a band, but I'm like they're not like they're just playing a style of music that I like. They can't really play their instruments very well. But <laughs> yeah, but that's sort of up to your own ethic then, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being set up where you're told, you know, please consider whether people can play instruments or not, or or you should judge on creativity and also musicality, or you know. Yeah, what sort of things people should be judging on, and and why? Ben Lai, take note. Exactly. Hmm. Um, we should play some more music, though. Yeah, so Jordy's picked out two tracks that he thinks you'll really like, or at least he really likes I and wants to play really for like you. Um, one of them is by Nam Shub. Have you got that one queued up? I do. It's called Marble Cardigan.
I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org.
Uh, hi, it's Jordy, and I'm here with uh, Jessica, uh, peanut butter and jam correspondent Jessica. And uh, she is going to tell us about uh, a very unusual way to eat a grilled cheese sandwich. What? I'm not even going to say the name. I, I don't want to spoil it. You say it. You get the... All right. It's going to be a marshmallow grilled cheese sandwich. And to make this marshmallow grilled cheese sandwich... No, I think... I think you need to repeat it one more time, just so people know that they heard you properly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said marshmallow grilled cheese sandwich. I've tried it myself. It is unbelievable, and you have to try it. It's really, really good. Okay, so how is it? Is it just pretty straightforward? Like, what? How do you make it? Well, the way I make it is first you get yourself some some white bread, uh, some butter, mm -hmm. uh, a mild cheddar, and. Um, some marshmallows. How many marshmallows? Uh, ranging from three to six marshmallows, I'd say. And are you getting are these three to six full-size marshmallows? These then? are full-size marshmallows. Okay. Don't get, um, don't get marshmallow cream because there's such thing as that. Mm -hmm. um, get actual marshmallows and get the big one, big ones, so okay. that uh, it's more gooey inside once you uh, roast them. But. To start off by making a regular grilled cheese sandwich. Okay, so I've so, got my like my buttered bread and my cheese and yes, and there. then you know put it on the pan and you know flip it once one side gets brown and flip however many times you prefer to do it. Right. At the same time, uh, put six three to six marshmallows on on two chopsticks or so, skewers or whatever. or skewers or whatever you like. And you don't need to have a gas stove for this. You can use an electric stove. So just put it over your stove and just slowly rotate it. So are you just basically putting an element on hot and then yes. cooking it over it like you exactly. would a fire? Okay. Uh, so until it turns about a nice golden brown or to, to a consistency that you'd like. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, while your uh, grilled cheese is being cooked, you just simply open the grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. And put your roasted, already roasted marshmallows inside the sandwich, right? Of so that, like the warmth of the grill, the the. And the so cheese. you just use the bread to hold the marshmallows down and pull the stick yes, out. Yes, exactly. And then there you have it. And then you can cut it and share it with others, or uh, and, uh, by yourself if you want. But it I, I haven't, I haven't tried this yet, so I can't vouch for it. But Jessica does say it's amazing, and she showed me pictures, and it'll look really good. <laughs> I have to say, though, I think there was three of us, and we shared one sandwich. So maybe not something to make for yourself. Make it for a group? Maybe, but I, the, the, other, the other thing was it was really nice to have it as a dessert. Mm. So I do uh, like a bit of cheese in my dessert right? sometimes. So. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't eat the full sandwich because I had a huge meal prior. Oh, okay. But... But you could have it for a whole meal if you really want. I probably to. could. Not the healthiest meal. No, but. but actually, there's not that much sugar content in marshmallows. Okay. So. Well, go ahead, eat it. It's delicious <laughs> for you and healthy. Not that healthy. But <laughs> <laughs> but definitely very tasty. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, hi, it's Jordy, and I'm here with uh, Jessica, uh, peanut butter and jam correspondent, Jessica.
Saturday, July 21st is the Catalano Music and Art Festival, Vancouver's biggest free outdoor music event, featuring six stages showcasing over 30 of Vancouver's top musical performers, including the Zolas, Ben Sinister, Jeremy Fisher, Catherine Calder, Lady Hawk, Siskiyou, and many, many more. Plus, eclectic pods of distinctive local artisans, street performers, and a host of other festivities. Stroll down West 4th Avenue from Burrard to McDonald's and you'll be captivated by the electric energy of the festival. Don't miss it. So the Catalano Festival. It looks pretty great. In addition to the bands that were mentioned in that ad, Dead Ghosts, uh, Pleasure Cruise, White Poppy, Mac DeMarco, Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk. Uh, who else is it? Chains of Love. Weed, who's awesome. Oh no, Yoko. So we are actually live broadcasting from the Catalano Festival. We're going to be there on air live. Not, not us personally. CITR. Well, I will be personally oh, okay. there. Maybe Brenda. Brenda yes. will be. I will not be. And CITR will be there with uh, Gary hosting and Sarah, uh, hosts of the student special and. Uh, the movie show. Oh boy, Exploding Head Movies. So we will be live broadcasting from 2 p.m. until just past 6. And the people on our stage are the High Drops, and we just played a track by them. The track was called Had to Go, off their self-titled EP. And then the other bands are, uh, boy, Aaron Reed and Blackout Beach. And we're going to play a track by Blackout Beach next. Uh, Bummer High... And New Sensei. New Sensei. All great, great local bands. Catalan Festival is really fun. In fact, it's so fun that we are recommending it as our pairing of the week. And uh, Brenda? Yes. What would, what would you recommend? So, pa- Catalan Festival is a huge one side of the pairing. What's the other side? Well, when you go and see some bands, you're going to get really into it, and it's going to be hot, and you're going to wear your summer dress, and you're going to get sweaty from jumping around to the bands. So we're recommending a nice, cool treat. There is a yogurt place right beside Zulu Records called Scoop, and you get, um, there's different kinds of yogurt, but I like the kind of sour kind of yogurt, and then you can put all these sweet chocolate sauce and fruit toppings, healthy or not healthy. You can Whatever have a... You prefer. Delicious yogurt snack. Yes, and it'll be delicious. It will be delicious. That's my summer goal, to eat some frozen yogurt. Nice, and one of these days we're going to have a show about making your own ice cream. Someday, someday soon, hopefully, because once it gets cold, it won't make any sense. No. So to end this little Catalano Love Fest, which we're very excited about and you should go to, we're going to play a track by Blackout Beach, who is Carrie Mercer from Frog Eyes and Swan Lake. We really like him. The song is called Dancing to Brew Up Joy in the Body. Are you ready? Yes, I'm so ready. Let's do it.
Band Music, CITR, and Dirty Spells are proud to present the Summer Freakout Festival at the British Ex-Servicemen Association, located at 1143 Kingsway. A two-night summer blowout, July 27th to July 28th. $10 each night. Friday night will be a punk feature with Perfectors, Slim Fathers, Shitty Neighbors, Victories, Keep Tidy, and New Values. Saturday is an all-out psych night, featuring Three Wolf Moon, Bummer High, Dirty Spells, Capital Six, and Chains of Love. For our more dreadful sacrifice. The music you are listening to is completely electronic. Only a fool would ignore this. I'd like to demonstrate for you some of the rather more weird kinds of sounds. See how relaxed you're getting? Every Saturday night here at CITR 101.9 FM is More Than Human with me, Gareth Moses. I'll be playing a selection of wonderful electronic music from a strange parallel universe. I hope you can join me between 8 and 9, and uh, do remember to bring your jetpack. I'll see you then.
You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jordy. And I am Brenda, the and other we, host. And we have a guest. Chris. Hello, Chris. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And who are you, Chris? I'm Chris, the cake lady. The cake lady. So excited. Before we talk more about cake, which will make you all drool into whatever your cars and respective um, laps, uh, Jordy's going to tell us what songs we just played. Yes. Um, we just heard uh, a song by Juvenile Hall off of their new EP. So this is a three-song EP. And um, that song was called Doctor Says. And before that, we had uh, uh, Hot Panda off of their new album go outside and you, once you're finished listening to this it's a great thing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you happen to have like a walkman or something yeah um, great that, song song. Was, that song was called future markets and the cd was just released right yes brand new off of mint records very nice great cd so chris can you tell us a bit about your company well burliaska cake boutique is like a one-woman operation that I started five years ago. Five and a half, actually, that was exactly when I moved to Canada from Brazil. And it's almost like a dream come true business that, well, I can see Jordi now, like... This this cake is a dream come true. (laughs) (laughs) Having, like, his little samples. Yeah, so Burliasca Cake Boutique started with uh, me kind of fearing what my life in Canada would be as an immigrant. And then a wise friend said, why don't you take this opportunity to do something that you like rather than something that you have to do? You'll be sort of a nobody there starting from zero. And then I said, well, if I have to do something that I really like, that's cake. How did you learn to make cakes? Or did you train as a baker in Brazil? Or here, oh, no, or? I have no professional training whatsoever. The, I did take one cake decorating, cake decorating course in Brazil mm-hmm. with the one of the cake ladies there that I was a, like a huge fan. So it was like kind of like the basic. But that was one month before I moved in moved to here. And she was like, Chris, do you know what? Don't even worry because everything there is different ingredients believe it or not like even sugar is different like my brazilian recipes are totally failure here so oh, really so you had to read i had yourself. to start yeah like in the beginning i actually cried a lot because like oh my god am i going to be able to kind of pull it off like nothing is working so are you completely self-taught then this isn't like family recipes passed down or anything? no family recipes what i did is like uh when i f- because i knew that's what i was going to do i worked in a bakery right in mm-hmm. the beginning kind of entry-level job kind of learning a little bit about how like is the market here especially like in terms of flavor um like what Canadians like to eat and then I do bring a lot of influences from Brazil like you see there's one chocolate passion fruit cake there that's nothing like what you can have here like most cakes here have passion fruit mixed with mango Mm -hmm. and that's for me for me it's wrong (laughs) passion fruit is passion fruit so I do bring a lot of um, experiences and influences from my life in Brazil but most of my recipes were developed here to please both Canadians and Brazilians and everybody else. Like, How did you find things are different? I mean, like passion fruit being one thing. Is there other like major differences you saw in the different 
uh, taste buds of countries? Uh, do you know what? The, the thing with passion fruit, like, first you can't really have the passion fruits. Well, fruits are different. Like, we are talking about a tropical country mm-hmm. where you have, like, fresh fruits. And even, like, the white part of the watermelon actually tastes like watermelon. And here, because all the fruits, most of the fruits are imported, you mm-hmm. have a difference in flavor. But it's also a difference in taste. And it's not, like, the recipe itself. It's, like the concept of the cake like Brazilians like cake to be moist Mm -hmm. and um, I can't say like it's a Canadian thing but most of the other cakes especially in the wedding industry and birthday cakes the cake base has um, flavor for example you can find like pistachio cakes or like flavored cakes coconut and then the filling and the icing is kind of plain vanilla buttercream Mm-hmm. And for me, like most of my cake bases are either chocolate or vanilla or coconut. So they're kind of three standard ones. And the filling actually has a lot of flavor because that's what we like to eat there. Like mm-hmm. if I if I give uh, Brazilians a cake that is like about two inches high in terms of cake with just a smudge of jam or like just a little bit of buttercream, that's not like what we like. You guys so, like lots of icing or lots? Yeah, of you see, like topping? all my cakes are basically basically like they have big layers, of three cake. layers of cake yeah. and two layers of filling. So it's quite generous. So I, as I said, like this is the way I we I always ate cake. So working here now, I think it's only fair that I I keep doing something that. I know it works. Like, my clients can... I mean, I don't have complaints about flavor. Uh, I actually get people surprised that the cakes look as the way they look, but actually there's a second surprise that the cake tastes different than most cakes here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're just joining us, we are here with uh, Chris from Berliosk. Is that correct? Berliosk Cake Boutique. Berliosk Cake Boutique, yes. And you're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, so you have uh, quite a variety of cakes. How many different types of cakes do you do you make with regularity? My new menu has about fifteen flavors. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I used to let the clients choose. Like I would give them a list of cake flavors and a list in a list of filling flavors, mm-hmm. and I would let them mix and match. So I would build whatever combination they wanted but I find that when you have too many options it's the process can be so overwhelming and on top of that my clients have to choose the design and if you're talking about a wedding cake there's so many more elements on the wedding that you have to think about that the process can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. so after five years I just decided that I would offer um, the most popular combinations, the combinations that worked for most people. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, if I get that odd client that would like something a little bit different in terms of cake combination, that I I still can do. But now I have like 15 more, like in the menu, like regular cakes. Mm -hmm. What are the most popular ones of Neapolitan. It's a combination of dark chocolate cake strawberry and vanilla buttercream mm-hmm. that most people just 
say like eating this cake just tastes like ice cream. Like it's even like uh, she's, it's she's a memory not of uh, the, her her vanilla icing on one of these cakes does taste like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> it's delicious. Memories of like childhood. Uh, like I heard that once, and so it. I don't know if that's. I, I'm kind of biased because I really like my passion fruit cake. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. But the cake that's most popular with my clients is the Neapolitan. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us about the cakes that you brought for us to taste today? So I have there uh, chocolate and raspberry. I have uh, passion fr- like chocolate and passion fruit. I have strawberry and cream that is like a combination of strawberry and vanilla. There's classic vanilla. There is chocolate hazelnut. And what else? There's lemon too. There's yeah, there's a lemon one. There's lemon one, yeah. And coconut. Mm-hmm. So they're all, they're the three different bases with the different icings exactly. and the different creams in and, between. And the thing is, there's still so many options you can create with those kind of basic Mm-hmm. cakes and, and fillings but those are like probably the most common like most popular ones do you end up like do you make fairly standard shapes or do you make uh, different styles of cakes I like to I, I, I really don't like anything that's standard actually I mm-hmm. hate doing like sheet cakes like people like ask like oh I just want a rectangular cake and I'm like please <laughs> no I like to make cake that don't look like cakes. I really have a lot of fun replicating objects, mm-hmm. like cakes in shapes of like running shoes and like basketballs or whatever else what? other than the regular standard shapes. What's the most difficult cake you've ever... Do you know what? The most difficult cake is always the cake that I'm working on, mm-hmm. especially if it's the first time. Mm-hmm. I was asked this question many, many times, but... I don't seem to be able to answer right. because eventually after doing like the third Hello Kitty, like it becomes easier. But the first <laughs> one is, <laughs> right? Um, so what are you working on right now? Uh, now we are in the middle of this wedding season. So we have a bunch of weddings and coming up. So it's m- then when it comes to weddings, it's more like standard shapes when we add a touch of flair and like Again, not to be conservative and not to do cakes like everybody else does. Uh, we have an order coming in that is 130 individual mini cakes. Oh, wow. And that's like... In the shape of a Statue mm. of Liberty? <laughs> well, not quite. Uh, I wish my bride had the budget for that. No, it's kind of funny. No, it's going to be uh, just like individual cakes decorated with flower and pearl so it's kind of going to be very feminine but it's funny because now I'm all excited about this order but I know when I'm doing the 130 mini cakes I'm not I'm not going to have a smile on like we'll be like why did I agree on this like so if you go to Berlioska Cake Boutique website I assume there's pictures on there I'm looking at yeah. the Facebook right now it's, and there's uh, it's berlioska.com okay how, how do you spell berlioska just for the B-E-R- listener B-E-R L-I-O-S-C-A dot com. And there's a bunch of pictures there. We have a new website on. Uh, but on Facebook, if you go to facebook.com slash you have, like, my portfolio, like, since... 
probably like before 2009. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more pictures. Um, yeah, but so I mean, I like doing cakes that somehow challenge myself. I remember the first time I did a, a sculpted cake, the client called me and he said, Oh, can you do the can you make the cake in the shape of a grand piano? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and he's like, how much? And I'm like, whatever. I don't even remember how much I charged. And he's like, fine. And I do all my transactions online, so payment, everything. I don't really mm -hmm. need to see the client. So he wanted the cake for his girlfriend, who apparently had everything. So he wanted something different. Mm -hmm. I sent him the confirmation email. He paid for the cake. And I'm like, shoot, how am I going to make this? Right? Because like, <laughs> now, I mean... He, I told him, sure, he agreed, he paid. Oh, is, and that, is that a picture of it there? Uh, uh, Brenda's brought up uh, yes, the website. Yes, oh, that's wow, it does so look you exactly can go like a grand piano. On the website and check out this grand piano, because it's amazing. How did you do that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I have... Are the um, legs made of cake? No, the legs are um, made of wood. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of engineering in terms of support, and mm -hmm. I love working with power tools, so it kind of comes handy with cake the by cake business so what i do is i do people like often say like oh these cakes are expensive but it's just like flour and sugar but before i actually start working on the cake there's like days uh hours many many hours in research i actually like look google is my best friend for my business because then i would find pictures of the the piano for example mm -hmm. and i would go and and believe it or not it's easier to make things in scale mm -hmm. so this piano actually is like a scaled down replica of the actual piano rather than oh i look like it looks like this and then i kind of go and do a little similar no it's actually uh scaled down because it makes easier but often i have this like i uh, the client says like can you do it and i don't know why like i feel like i can and i say sure and because i commit i have to do it and the result is there like mm -hmm. so how how much non-edible stuff is in this piano uh, the legs. The legs, just the legs. Just the legs. And the board, right? The, what I do is the cake board, I always decorate to be the part of the design. Okay. So the That's the, what the cake sits on? Exactly. Yeah. So if you guys are looking at the picture now, what looks like the floor is the cake board and the legs and everything else is edible. Mm -hmm. And that cake is a cake for 10 people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's hard to have like... Uh, proportion on pictures and stuff like that, but that's a piano I did, and and ever since. What, like, what else is in there, Brenda? Just give us a quick rundown. Um, there's a pair of false teeth. Uh, there's a Converse sneaker uh, with very realistic looking laces. It really looks like there's a rubber sole on this cake. Um, there's is that chili? <laughs> no, that's actually Brazilian back, black beans. It's a pot with like jelly beans and chocolate sauce. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, there's a Batmobile. Is that a Batmobile? It's a Batmobile. 
Oh, wow. I have to say, I'm. That, that was a lucky kid. Do you know what? I'm so sorry if my client's listening, but I hate making that cake. It is so <laughs> difficult. Probably like <laughs> if I have to put on the like what's been difficult that one because it it was so small and there's so many like sharp corners and and I'm very particular. I like things to look as they should. It was quite quite difficult. So there's a, a Bob the Builder one oh, and that a hippo. Hippo the uh, ballerina. Oh, it, I it's had a client. those on my wall when I was really? a child. Yeah, it's my, I have this client, and every year I do a hippo for her. So you probably have seen like another hippo somewhere in there. It's the same client. It's always a hippo, and I don't know how many more ideas with a hippo I can, but I'll do it. Can you talk a bit more about the power tools? Uh, yeah, how do power tools, be, how are they necessary in cakes? You can't just do it with knives or... No, actually I don't use the power tools on the cake portion of the cake. I use for... <laughs> really? Well, well, imagine me with the saw. That would be fun though. No, uh, building support, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, most of what goes into your non-average shaped cakes is, I mean, it's support. Like you look at the basket, let's, let's take the example of the basketball. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, well, there's gravity and it's cake, so there's only so much I can build out of cake that. That will hold itself up? Exactly. And I refuse to sell cakes that are dry or cakes that don't have filling just because it's easy to, to carve or to make a sculpture out of a dry cake. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Like, my cakes will taste... The basketball or whatever hippo, whatever you see on my website will taste the same as what you guys are tasting now. Yeah. Wow. But... It's true. I ate one. And what did like, it look like? Uh, uh, the one I ate looked like a... Um, a, camera. a camera. Yeah. A old school... I don't know how to pronounce, like, Marlis, please forgive me. It's, I think it's a Mamiya K or Mamiya C... 200 and something it's like an old school camera and it's just like I refuse to sell something that doesn't taste good the thing is before I start baking five years ago I was in marketing and customer service so I bring like 15 years of business experience to my baking business so I know that it's the clients love the way the cake looks, but if I don't have something that actually tastes good, I won't have returning customers. Mm-hmm. So back to the power tools, I actually whatever object I'm creating, I have to analyze what sort of structure I have to build in order to have the 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 moist, the soft cake holding up. So the power tools come to like cutting wood, like shaving styrofoam or like hot gluing something mm-hmm. other than my fingers <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and and i mean i i was always like very crafty like even with other mediums so i kind of enjoyed that part as much as baking and making the the cake part of money Okay, so why don't we play a song or two, and then we'll come back and ask you a few more questions. Sure. What have you got queued up for us, Brenda? I've got queued up some Youth Lagoon. Youth Lagoon is actually playing this weekend. I'll give you a few more details of the show after we hear the track.
The AIDS Vancouver Helpline is here to help. Open from 9 to 4, Monday to Friday, the Helpline answers questions about HIV and safer sex. Call to find medical support in your area without giving your name. Run by volunteers, the Helpline is one of the many programs from AIDS Vancouver combating the HIV epidemic in the Lower Mainland. While not medical professionals, our volunteers answer your questions confidentially and anonymously. The Helpline number is 604-696-4666 or contact us at aidsvancouver.org. Great, so that was Youth Lagoon from the album The Year of Hibernation, and the song was Cannons. That they're actually playing this weekend on Saturday with Father John Misty. I am really enjoying his latest album too. It's at Venue on Saturday, so after you go to Cat Solano, you need to go swimming at the beach and then catch some food and then go to Venue for Youth Lagoon and Father John Misty. Uh, so we're here with Chris. Hi. From Berlioska Cake Boutique. Thank you so much for coming in. Mm, thank you. And bringing your delightful samples. Yeah. Yes, which uh, we've been snacking on <laughs> while the song played. Um, I was just noticing that uh, uh, during the break we were talking about this briefly. The, a lot of the cakes were, we've talked a little bit about how you do cakes for weddings, but a lot of the cakes uh, where there were pictures of were clearly for like children's birthdays. Yeah, I Could do a lot of birthdays and other. I, it's almost like, I, I think I'm kind of like, I still do a lot more birthday cakes than wedding cakes, even though I don't have a particular preference for either or. Mm-hmm. But what happened is there's a, a lot of talented people in town making wedding cakes. Mm-hmm. So when the bride has to choose her baker, she has a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, like, I know it's not for every client to spend the same amount of money that you would spend on a wedding cake in a birthday cake. But for me, I spend the same amount of hours or even more hours on a birthday cake than on a wedding cake. Mm-hmm. So the clients come to me because of the attention to detail and what I can do in terms of characters and little figurines and stuff like that so I make as much or even more birthday cakes not just for children though for like mm-hmm. um, it's it's that special gift mm-hmm. that you can't get anywhere right so uh, and then during wedding season then we get a little more focus on wedding cakes but then through the year birthdays and other events how does someone find you uh, if they w- were interested in your cakes? Or Well, most of my... I don't really do much of advertisement rather, rather than what I have online. Uh, people often refer me, like it's the mouth-to-mouth mm-hmm. promotion. But I, I was actually asking if our listeners were interested, the, okay. how would they go oh, find okay. you? Okay. Oh, they can go to my website. Mm-hmm. Again, it's www dot berlioska.com and berlioska is b-e-r-l-i-o-s-c-a or they can go to facebook facebook.com slash berlioska um, and they can send me an email or they can call me and that's the best way to find we don't have a storefront yet so uh, our cakes are made to order and they have to be ordered in advance. Uh, we work out of a kitchen space on Oak Street, Oak mm-hmm. and 67th. So that's where they will be meeting me and picking up their cakes. 
but the best way to, f- to get in touch is email and telephone. Okay. And you do a lot of figurines. Is it all made out of fondant? Yeah, it's a different type of fondant. It's called gum paste, but it's basically sugar. Um, it's kind of like closer to what I use to cover the cakes, and I use as well. I don't like using plastic. I don't put plastic mm-hmm. toys on my cakes, so all the figurines will be like technically edible, even mm-hmm. though nobody eats because they keep <laughs> as, a, as a keepsake of the 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 cake and the event. Last. But they could uh, be eaten if I mean kids do eat the decoration actually more than the cake. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of sugar. And I just had a really amazing bite of hazelnut icing on top of a chocolate cake. And the passion fruit was also fantastic. I'm going to have a sugar buzz walking out of the studio. How much time do we have left, Brenda? I think we have about two minutes. Um, Are we going to... I guess we should say who's on next, then. Uh, Darren has stepped into the studio. Yay, Darren. (laughs) And stereoscopic redoubt. We'll be coming up next. And uh, why don't we end with one last song? Yeah, sure. What do you want to play for us right at the end? I've got Y Oak uh, queued up here. Uh, They're from the States, so we broke the local music rule twice in this last bit, but they're actually opening for the Dirty Projectors on Tuesday, so I am thinking very heavily about going to that show, and you should too. And uh, thank you so much for coming in, Chris. This was great and really interesting. And I didn't know there was so much to go in going into cakes. And, <laughs> oh, thank you. It's, it's and, uh, been the fun. The cakes themselves were delicious. Good, good. I'm glad. Mm.